Hi there, friend. My name is John Werner. I used to be a part of the largest cult in the United States. After studying the Bible, Christian history, and ministry, I set my sights on confronting the problematic nature of white evangelicalism in the United States. In 2019, I published my first book as a first step in addressing the subtle issues of this complex system. This podcast will continue that work under the same title. Welcome to The Cult of Christianity. Hey y'all, just popping in to say this is one of the most uh, different episodes I've done to date. I've wanted to give uh, a content warning for it, but I, I don't think I wanted to do quite the same kind of alert that I typically throw before an episode. I usually like signal caution if triggering ideas of abuse, suicide, or torture are detailed or mentioned. And while there certainly is abuse and torture in this story, um, this is more triggering in the sense that it may be upsetting for someone with PTS from psychological type torture. So the tone my guest and I use is somewhat lighthearted at points, but this is not to gloss over how intense this story is and how hard it may be for certain listeners to hear. So I hope you're able to listen and learn, but if your headspace isn't conducive for hearing an intense account of torture, maybe skip this one. And as always, take care of yourself. On today's show, a friend of mine is coming on. This episode might look a little different than some of the other ones, um, but I'm really, really excited for it. So first off, Finn, thank you for coming on. Uh, it's uh, great to be on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 fun. Uh, you know, you the way I know you, you married uh, one of my childhood best friends. Um, and so you and I have hung out before. And one of those times we were hanging out, uh, you t- <laughs> we were at a pool and you just told me kind of this crazy story about what happened to you. Um, and I was like, man, I need to get this on the podcast. And full disclosure, like obviously with this podcast, I get, you know, a lot of people have told me a lot of crazy stories. Uh, so it's hard for me to be shocked by much anymore. Um but I try to steer away from talking about crazy stories because sometimes people dismiss that as like, oh, that was just one crazy instance. Um, whereas a lot of what I try to do is show how not not the crazies that happen to be Christians, but how Christians can kind of make crazies. Um, and so but for this, I think it's very, very interesting. So I'm I'm super thrilled you're you're willing to share about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm fairly open about my life and everything. I thought this would be a pretty interesting opportunity. Uh, I don't know if we've ever actually talked about this, uh, but, uh, I am actually still a Christian, believe it or not. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind Good of on interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm sure there was a lot that, uh, a lot of changes that happened. So, so how did you relate to Christianity? Let's say before high school, what was, what was kind of your relation to it? Well, you know, I grew up in a very Christian household. Um, you know, it was, it was the nineties. So, you know, uh, Christianity took kind of a, a little bit of a different form back then. Um, you know, it was a, 
a, you know, non-denominational wasn't super popular at that time. It was more, you know, you, you had to fall into a category like Baptist or Zionist or, or Lutheran or, or whatever. So that's kind of, you know, I grew up in a Baptist church, um, and we went to church every Sunday, you know, they, they always, you know, they, our parents would hand us money to put in the, uh, offering jar as they passed it around, like that kind of thing. Um, which I always thought was, even as a child, I thought that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. So it was almost like just kind of cultural, like you, you, you just, did you really picture much of life outside of church or was that kind of just so built into your life? It was so, it was, I, I mean, I don't want to say it was life because I did have a life outside of it, but a lot of what I did ended up revolving around the, not necessarily the church and the church functions, but around the people that were at the church. So a lot of my childhood friends, we went to church. I, I don't think we really have any kind of connections with any of them anymore. But, um, you know, I met them all through my parents and going to church with uh, my parents, knew their parents from church. And then they basically all had kids at around the same time so we kind of just all were friends gotcha so did you were you more i well i'll ask it this way did did how you relate to christianity change at all as you kind of became a teenager absolutely i mean you grow older you get hormones you you know kind of start thinking about life a little bit differently you start thinking for yourself uh, you know and you start questioning things um, and traditional churches are just not very great at answering questions. A lot of questions get redirected back to, well, the Bible says, but that's, in my opinion, not necessarily what you should be. It is what you should be looking at, kind of, but at the same stance, um, also no, you know, morality is really what the topic of discussion for Christianity is, but it's not necessarily what Christianity is about, I guess. Yeah, well, and it's certainly in that time, there was like a, yeah, very, you know, the technical word would be biblicism, right? Where it was just kind of this high view of like, well, the Bible, some verse somewhere has the answer to any question. And that's not really... That's kind of a weird pocket of Christianity. For most of Christianity's existence, that's not really how it's been perceived. But I'm sure growing up, that was kind of the the messaging you were getting. Yeah, I mean, definitely that's the case. Like a, a lot of Christianity, well, the Bible says this, the Bible says that. Um, and as I grew older and, and you know, I, I guess as this story will develop, you'll kind of understand that, um, you know, I really have always kind of questioned uh, the nature of Christianity uh, throughout my life. Um, and even though I am still a Christian, there's a lot of things that I just don't agree with a lot of, uh, well, pastors, <laughs> uh, you know, but also just uh, in general people's beliefs about the Bible. Definitely. Okay. So, so, so would it be fair to paint the picture of you, kind of being a, a a skeptical christian growing up or were you or were you like on fire for jesus how would you describe kind of your personality related to it 
I would say it ebbed and flowed <laughs> like a lot of people's stories, I'm sure. Um, but you know, when I was a child, you know, I didn't question a whole lot of things. So I was pretty devout. And then as I got older, sort of into my, uh, you know, preteens and stuff, I kind of got, you know, to the point where uh, I didn't understand a lot of it, uh, and I didn't really understand why I believed in it and stuff like that. Um, and so really it just led to, uh, you know, more questions than answers. Uh, and I just kind of wavered a bit. Um, and then towards my teens, um, I got involved with like youth groups and, and people that were starting to be like, like there was a period of my life where, um, I wasn't, we moved, uh, actually when I was 14. Um, and four years before that, I believe our church, uh, broke up. So like when I was around 10 to 14, we didn't really have like a church that we were in consistently. Um, so I didn't really get, any answers to a lot of the questions that I may have had about my faith or anything like that. Um, and then once we moved, there was, you know, a couple of years where we were kind of moving from here and there. And, and then once we actually settled, I, we did find a finally find a church and I started to go into the youth group and everything like that. And, um, uh, we went on some mission trips and stuff, and then we went to like New York and stuff like that. So that's, I kind of like developed a small relationship with the people at the church between about 16 to 18. Gotcha. Okay. So, so, so you would say in high school, you're, you're kind of getting more, were you enjoying the church culture more as a teenager? Cause for me, like my experiences, I was like a super devout, nerdy Christian, but like I didn't like the culture. But like sometimes it goes the other way too, where people have really good experiences at church, even if there's still some unanswered questions. Where where do you think you fit into all of that? I definitely feel like I fit in a little more with the culture. Um, it was a little bit more, I guess, open and a little bit more accepting at the time. So I feel like it was a culture thing, not necessarily a belief thing. Um, I think, you know, in my head, I thought it was belief, but, you know, if I, looking back, it was more like I was, I was getting that sense of acceptance and that, that feeling of being a part of something. Uh, and that I think was what I really drove me, uh, during those years. Gotcha. Okay. That paints a, a picture of you just kind of um you know being being somewhat satisfied where you're at so uh let's get into the actual story though so how did your misadventure begin i would definitely say uh the adventure began uh you know when i was in that uh youth group um uh i met uh a man i just i guess for purposes i won't you know name any names or anything like that but i met someone there uh, and we kind of became friends and then he went off to Texas to learn about some kind of new program that was being started up. And a couple of years later he came back, uh, and that was right when I graduated high school and he decided to start up a leadership academy at the church that was based out of the church. Um, so it was 
it was a quote unquote leadership academy. I don't exactly know how to define a hundred percent what went on, but, uh, you know, people will be able to understand that it's not really definable. It wasn't leadership to me. I do not, now that I am, I'm 30, I have a business, uh, you know, I, uh, I've been to college more times than I can count. Uh, I've got a tons of moves, like met so many different people, been under so many different management styles. I do not think that they taught leading at that church. It was a more so like a culture of, of, you know, what it means to be a leader, maybe in the church but not what it means to be a leader because being a leader in a church is, I can tell you from experience, a hundred percent different than being a leader in the real world. Definitely. Was the, did this leadership Academy have any kind of like cool name or anything like that? Uh, not that you have to name it. Uh, yeah, it was called 24 seven leadership Academy. That was it. Okay. <laughs> and so, and this was, you said it sprung out from the church. So to your knowledge, this wasn't necessarily like a national thing. This was just something your church decided to do. Uh, so it was a program that I believe was just kind of circulating at the time. I don't know if it's still going on. I, I have no idea. I do know for a fact that it is not going on at the church that I attended. It lasted for three years and during the third year the program got shut down because and i mean realistically as the story goes on you'll understand why it was a good idea to <laughs> shut the program down because ultimately what in so here's the thing when you so I, i'll just go ahead and preface what i'm gonna talk about with a few of the rules and stuff of the leadership yeah, academy that'd be great so um when you join the Leadership Academy as a first year student, which means, you know, it doesn't really matter the age range. The age can be anything. For me, it was 18. I was out of high school. I decided to do that instead of college. So, um, but there was a 25 year old. I believe we even had a 30 year old. Uh, so it, the age range varied. Um, but the, the rule was you could not date anyone during your first year. Uh, in the leadership academy, I don't know why that is, but ultimately it led to a lot of problems because when you take someone that is fresh out of high school and you say, "Look, you can't, you can't even be interested in someone," it's just kind of like, I mean, at that point you start getting desperate, right? Yeah, you're suppressing people. You're, I mean, you're literally you're suppressing, suppressing their development. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's already red flag one. Uh, what were some of the other rules they had? Um, so it wasn't so much rules; it was just more of like how everything was structured. So, uh, the essential structure of everything went down like this: like they had a workout program. So, uh, every morning at like seven o'clock, uh, you know, you worked out for between an hour to an hour and a half. Uh, that in and of itself was actually probably one of the best things about the program. In my opinion, uh, it definitely created structure. It created a lot of the fitness lifestyle that I enjoyed for, uh, up until, 
you know, a few years ago when I've been slacking and now I'm <laughs> starting to pay the it's price. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we 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 all reach an age where we're like, oh, this is actually hard now. <laughs> to right. Stay in uh, uh, yeah, but it, yeah, that that makes sense that it was good. And just quick clarification: so is yeah. this like a is this a place you're going to? Like, are there like dorms you're staying in, or is this something you're kind of like? Is this like a something you attend each day, or are you like bunking with people in this academy? So that yeah, that was actually another rule that we had was uh, as a first year student, you actually got bunked in with a home, quote unquote home, uh, somebody that would uh, host you for the year, and they paid for your food. You got a room to 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 go into, which I. Again, I don't think that that was a great idea. And the reason is, if it is someone that's fresh out of high school, you're only delaying the knowledge that they need to function, <laughs> right? So you're only delaying the, the, you have to have that experience of like being on your own and buying your own food and making sure that you're doing your own laundry and stuff like that. Otherwise you're just, you're staying with your parents for another year or you're staying with your parents for however long you're in the program, four years, uh, I believe was the kind of peak of the program. Good. So they're modeling it almost after college, but they're, they're not exactly teaching classes. Are they there? There were some classes. Yeah. So the, the general day to day structure, like I said, we did the workout in the mornings and then, after that, uh, we would do a uh, prayer for like an hour. Uh, and then, uh, we would write sermons for 30 minutes and then present sermons for the next about hour, hour and a half. And then after that, you would have classes understudied with the different, uh, employees of the church. So you might have a class with the pastor that lasted an hour. Uh, you might have a class with the financial advisor that might tell you about some functions of the church financing or something like that. Um, it varied, uh, all the time. And, and sometimes they didn't have anything planned and we would go do some kind of like exercise or some leadership exercise or something like that for like team building. So that that's really kind of how it went down day to day. Uh, but they did have like larger events and stuff that we would do that would take up weeks at a time. Gotcha. Okay. So it's kind of like, and and pardon my uh, harshness, but it's a little bit like indoctrination boot camp, right? <laughs> like it's uh, yeah. It, I mean, I you know I went to Bible college and uh, we we did a lot of stuff in a more academic sense. But what you're talking about seems very um seems like it would take a lot of your day uh, of just focusing on pretty much one thing, whether it be Jesus or their version of leadership or what have you. That's that's a pretty intense schedule. That is what. Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was nine to five. I think the weekend I'm trying to remember if we even got the weekends because we really didn't. Well, it's I called 24 seven, right? So, right. I mean, that's, I, I, yeah, I'm fairly certain we actually did not get. Uh, we may have gotten like a half day on Fridays. I think we would still do the workouts, I believe, or it wasn't a workout. It was like basketball or so, or, you know, it was like, it was exercise, but it was a different kind of exercise. And then you'd get like a half day. Uh, it's so hard to remember 
now because it i mean it's been 12 years <laughs> oh gosh yeah we're getting old man we're getting old yeah. um okay so so this is your this is kind of your life and just one more clarification are mm-hmm. this is all 18 and up yeah, it it is all eighteen and up. So you okay. definitely you did have to be out of high school. Um, okay, and you know there was a couple of reasons for that, I guess. But uh, ultimately, it was just I guess kind of a time thing. You had to have yeah. time availability. Yeah, and like you said, you chose this kind of over college, right? Did you just yeah. out of curiosity about you? Did you have like a goal? Were you wanting to be a pastor, or were you just wanting to learn leadership? What was kind of your draw to it? So I believe, and I mean, here's the thing. I didn't really know. I didn't, I don't think I ever knew what I actually wanted to do with my life until I started doing automotive. And I was like, that's really, it's not necessarily what I want to do with my life, but working on things, figuring things out and building things is what I want to do. And that was just eight, nine years ago. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't really that long ago for most of my, my life. It was just kind of like a limbo of like, Oh, I, I could do this or I could do that. But like, do I have any real prospects or is anything lined up or am I going to research anything? Not really. So I think the reason that I was there was just kind of like, I didn't want to go to college. I didn't like the education system. I didn't want to go to a community college. Um, you know, there are some things that you can go to a community college for that are going to be worth it. But ultimately, in my experience, I, there's, there's, it's few and far between. So I, I just wanted to do something other than college. Gotcha. And was this, was this academy, I, I'm assuming it was at least cheaper, but was it free or subsidized by the church or anything? It was not free. I mean, it was like, it wasn't expensive extremely expensive it was like fifteen hundred dollars a semester okay yeah well compared to college that's right compared to college that's nothing um and then i think you know food and stuff like that so sure sure okay gotcha okay so when did did hit the fan (laughs) when did it start getting uh, a little bit crazy it started getting a little bit crazy pretty early on i mean uh so uh, and now I will say my personal experience in this leadership academy was far more complicated and worse than I think anybody else's ever had been. Um, there's, I mean, countless stories that I could pull from. Uh, I'm kind of going to like summarize most of everything uh, because getting into detail, we would literally be here all night. So, um, let's just start kind of with the first, like what it felt like, you know, what, what they kind of like made everything feel like they kind of made everybody feel like, you know, Oh, we are literally all in this together. You know, like guys, you're going to get your hair cut. Like you're going to have a buzz cut. Like, you know, it's going to be a new you, everybody got, um, well, not everybody, most, some people got like kind of new names, um, you know, okay. I already have to slow down. (laughs) I have to slow down just for a couple things. First off, I wanted to ask this earlier. Was this only men in this academy? Uh, it actually was not. Um, so it it was co-ed. Um, there was one female and then there was four, uh, including me male. So five total students, not that many. 
Gotcha. And so, so they're saying men cut your hair and then what the new names i'm very interested about that too uh so it was either like you either got to pick a new name or you were just given like a nickname just to be referred to okay almost like camp okay gotcha yeah just kind of like like camp right um and so they kind of gave off exactly like you said this camp mentality like uh oh you know it's gonna be fun this is gonna be great um you know, and I was like getting kind of hyped up. Our first event was like really, it was a really cool event. Um, so the first thing that we did, uh, for an event and these events were kind of like the staples or like the, this is what you looked forward to. This is what things built up to. Like these events were what was supposed to test you and like, uh, put the things that you've learned into practice, right? So, uh, it was about a month in, I believe we did our first event. Um, and that was going up to a mountain in, I think Tennessee or something like that. Um, I can't, I can't remember, uh, where it was. Uh, but so we hiked about 10 miles, maybe, I don't know, maybe not even that far, maybe eight. Um, we hiked about eight miles into the woods, uh, at each kind of mile marker, uh, we would stop and we all had to carry eggs with us wrapped in a handkerchief and you had to make sure your egg didn't break um, because that's what you were supposed to be eating that night. So if your egg broke, you didn't get to eat. Uh, kind of a leadership exercise, you know, make sure you're keeping the thing. I mean, it, it's a stretch, but we got it. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'll pause. I'll pause there just sure. to say, like, it's, it, you know. There's yeah the the old keeping the egg intact thing is a is a tale as old as time but over an eight mile hike that's already taking it kind of to an extreme, right? Yeah, well that's not the extreme part. So uh, right. we we do we stop and, and during the times that we're stopping we're also doing leadership exercises. The final exercise uh, was for someone to be blindfolded while someone else gave instructions on how to put together a tent. Um, that one was a pretty good one. Uh, and then there was also like starting a fire, had to start a fire with nothing but sticks. Uh, you know, me and one other guy, we were in Boy Scouts, so like, no problem. Uh, so we showed everybody how to do, how to start a fire with, you know, sticks or, or rocks, uh, and some string or shoelaces. Uh, and then the next day is when things kind of got took, taken to the next level. Um, the next day we woke up out of, came out of our tents and they had one cot, uh, which a cot is, you know, a device that you sleep on uh, and usually also can be used as like a stretcher for like taking people. So it was like kind of the stretcher kind. So it had two handles on the end. Um, and so the whole premise was that <clears throat> you had to carry someone up the mountain. Did they did they say who had to be carried or were you were you? It was actually an alternating thing. So okay. uh, each person in our group spent one hour on the cot, and we had to take. The, it was like the hardest trail up the mountain to the to the peak from the base. Um, so we did. I mean, it took all day. It it really took all day. I mean, we got we started coming down, and it was dark when we started coming down. Um, but, uh, we would alternate one person on the cot, uh, and the, we would alternate the two people 
that would be carrying the cot, one person in front and one person in the back. Uh, it was precarious. We almost died multiple times. Uh, I mean, there was bees. Uh, we got stung by bees. Uh, it was not great. <laughs> I mean, it was an interesting experience, but I just don't know how, I just don't know how intelligent it was to let people Great. Well, how many how many instructors or leaders are present for this? So there was okay. So there was the instructor or, or the the head person, and then there was what they call a third year and a second year, which just refers to obviously the year that you are in the program, and they're considered the leaders or the higher ups of the program. Um, so, and, uh, you know, they have some training in medic in medicine, but they're not, you know, there's no EMTs on standby. Somebody breaks a leg. We got to carry him on that cot all the way back to the cars and then take him to the hospital. And, you know, you're talking about five, six hours to get somebody to just the car, not including the hospital. Wow. Wow. So that's, it seems that's, I mean, obviously clearly irresponsible, but you know, y'all, y'all survived it, but that sounds already a little bit traumatic to try to like do this. And, and this is all under the guise of this is helping you with leadership. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, this, the, the, the exercise is like, you know, don't let your teammate fall or like their life rests in your hands, which is a great metaphor. But when you take it to the point of it being literal and there's literally their life is in your hands and there's no reason for it. Like if I needed to carry you on my back across five mountains to get you to a hospital because you were poisoned, sure, I will do it, you know, (laughs) but is it necessary? No, is it going to happen ever? Probably not. (laughs) And, uh, you know, is there really a reason for me to be carrying uh, someone and putting their life in unnecessary harm to drive home a point about leadership? I just I don't think so. Wow. Okay. so how long did it take to get to the the where you all going to the top of the mountain to the top of the mountain? I mean, it took all day. I believe we we woke up at sunrise and then we headed out probably about an hour to an hour and a half after that uh and then of course we had our packs within our tents and stuff like that on our person as well so (laughs) uh, that was actually another part of it was uh most of us were carrying two backpacks because there's only there's only five of us so there's one person on the cot two people carrying the cot and then the other two people are carrying two backpacks uh, or in some cases, three backpacks, depending. Wow. Okay. So, so you get to the top, I assume, and and I mean, y'all are nursing some wounds, but y'all get to the top and just kind of crash. Is that is that how that day ends? Uh. Well, it was like a oh, we made it to the top. That's great. Let's pack up the cot and we're all gonna walk down this mountain. So then we walk down the mountain after that because you can't camp on top of the mountain. Uh, there's not enough room. So were y'all hiking in the dark at this point? Yeah, we we definitely hiked in the dark. Uh, I mean, we had headlamps and stuff like that, but uh, you know. But you just went up. I mean, that's a that's that's physically insanely grueling, even for a nature enthusiast. Absolutely, and I will say, it's not the most physically intense thing that I did there. Um, I mean, we did 
I personally did a marathon and we did a half Ironman at the end of the year. Um, and they did that each year. So, um, I mean, we were constantly running, hiking, biking, building strength, stamina, everything. Well, so, so, so that's day one. Well, it's a long day though. So, so what happens next? So next is kind of just like a, I mean, they just did like a, uh, rest and relaxation recovery. They took us to like a cabin instead of letting, instead of making us camp, uh, so that we could recuperate and stuff like that. Um, so that was nice. But, and then, you know, after that event, um, then, uh, comes kind of like what we've been building up to, which is the, the big story. Um, cause that wasn't even it. So I will say, despite all of this, I do not consider any of this traumatic. It doesn't keep me up at night. Uh, I actually thought it was kind of fun, but that's because I, that's the kind of person I am. I am already that person inside that enjoys doing the absolutely insane survival stuff and putting myself in ridiculous situations that are that get your adrenaline pumping or are super stressful um so i'm already there that's so i don't but i mean if it wasn't me uh trying to put myself in someone else's shoes it would absolutely be traumatic gotcha well and i'm okay with you obviously perceiving your own story however you want um but yeah, yeah, go on and tell 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 me what uh you know, you've told me once, but uh I'm ready to hear it again. Tell me tell me what what happened next. So, um the next event uh oh gosh, what was it called? Missions training. Right. It was supposed to be our missions training event. Now, none of us knew about the event prior to actually going. Um the event was kind of like a secret thing. So, uh, we just kind of had normal days after that until this event. Um, I had a normal day. Uh, we worked out pretty hard. Uh, we did our classes and then I went home. Uh, about the time that I got in the bed around like 11 o'clock, I think I was sleeping a little later at that point, 11 o'clock, 1130 maybe, they, uh, one of the second years came into my room, uh, just out of the blue. Uh, and he was like, look, you need to pack up as much stuff as you need for a few days in a backpack and come with me. And I'm like, okay, you know, I mean, I'm not going to question you, but I'm, but I'm doing it. And so I packed up very poorly, I might add, uh, about three days worth of, uh, stuff, uh, that I thought I might need. And then we were out by like midnight. So, uh, they drive us to the church, um, where we spent like, I mean, the majority of our time is where we did all of our classes and everything like that. So drove us to the church. That was nothing abnormal. And then, uh, we went into the main sanctuary area and there was like row lighting, uh, and stuff like that. It, it was weird. Uh, and we walked up and they're like, listen, you know, this is the big event. This is missions training. This is the biggest event for us that you'll ever do in, you know, in 24 seven. Um, this is really our staple. It's what's going to put all of your training to the test. It's what's going to test you to the limit, blah, blah, blah. And, 
to be fair, you know, they did say in the beginning of this, if there's ever a point where you're uncomfortable, you can say break scenario and we'll stop everything and we'll talk to you about what's going on. Now, that being said, uh, historically speaking, when people go through intense adrenaline pumping moments or intense traumatic moments, the first thing that's on their mind is not always, oh, this is fake. This is a, you know, I need to say break scenario. It does usually reach a point where things begin to feel very real. Yeah, no, I I, I was going to ask that if you weren't going to bring that up because, right. uh, yeah, me knowing the whole story, uh, I'm sure it started out with, oh, this is fun training, but I think I think based on what you've told me, it, it kind of gets dark. So, uh, so what? So they bring you to the church. What happens next? So after that, and by the time that we leave, I'm assuming it was about one a.m., maybe about an hour past, uh, and I knew it was twelve when we got there. So after that, they handed us. Uh, fake passports that had our, you know, ID and like numbers and date of birth and stuff like that on the passport. And they handed us a piece of paper that said visa. And it was like, uh, supposed to be a visa for another country. We were supposed to be flying to quote unquote, uh, India, um, for a missions trip. That was like the goal, uh, of the whole exercise. So they put us in a van uh, where they had like black curtains on the inside of the van. And like I said, about 1 a.m. Uh, and we couldn't see, you know, the driver's seat. We couldn't see out the windows. We couldn't see behind us. Um, so we're just in these rows in the van and they're driving us around. So they started playing plane noises. And I, I seriously have no idea how much time passed because. The plane, I mean, I heard that plane take off and glide and then land. And I knew that it was about 30 minute long audio, uh, or I thought I did. <laughs> I, there was no way to tell time because they took all of our watches and all of our phones and everything like that. So there was literally no way to gauge anything. Um, so I listened to it loop a few times, uh, maybe four. So I think it was a couple of hours. It could have been longer. Um, but they just drove us around and then eventually they stopped, uh, and let us out. And when we came out and this is where everything kind of gets crazy. So when we came out, there was spotlights in our face. We were in like a giant open field. There was a plastic fold out table at the end at like probably, I don't know, maybe a hundred, 150 feet away from us. Uh, and on both sides, there was men in uniform with guns, uh, like AR-15s and AK-47s. And uh, a couple of them had just handguns, like Glocks and 1911s. Um, so we get out of the van and we're like, what is going on? Uh, and so they, you know, tell us to line up. They instruct us to line up and present, like, our paperwork, our visas and our passports and stuff like that. So. Over the course of about the next three hours, we were circulating back through that line. A few of us got through, a few of us didn't. Um, because what they had done is they had messed, they had intentionally messed up our birth dates or our, yeah, our birthdays and like our social security numbers or like our passport numbers on purpose. 
and messed with things, uh, like messed our names up so that we would have to look at the passport and like memorize what the information on our passport was, which ultimately I don't understand the point of the exercise. The exercise is remember the information that's on your passport, but altogether, why do you have to make us sit there for three hours in a rotating line to drive that point home? You can just tell us to make sure we know the information. Wow. Okay. So, so, so what are, I have two questions. One, sure. the, 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 the guns looked real, right? Like these were not like, they didn't have an orange tip on them or anything, right? So I have a lot of experience in airsoft since then. It is almost impossible to distinguish an airsoft gun from the real thing if you buy the right product. Um, and then you can remove the orange tips and you can replace them with, uh, actual, uh, flash suppressors or muzzle, uh, muzzle brakes, um, or silencers. And yes, it, they looked, how were we supposed to know other than the fact that there's just people with guns that look very real? Wow. And, and you do not recognize these people, correct? These were strangers? I, yeah, no. Everybody that was a part of this whole ordeal um, were completely new faces. So what they actually did is they, they got a bunch of people to volunteer for this that we, none of us had ever met before. And they also like got some people that were from the Texas program to come up and help them run the program. Um, so every, we didn't recognize anybody. And there, the few people that we probably would have recognized were all in ski masks. So again, impossible. Gotcha. And what are the instructor? The instructors are present for this. Are they doing nothing? Are they helping? What is their role? The only time I only saw the instructor, I believe, one time. Um, and usually they were trying to keep back out of sight. Every now and then you might catch a glimpse of them or like they might pass you by or something like that. They were observing. But again, it after three hours in a blacked out van listening to a plane on repeat and then getting floodlights in your face and sitting in line for three hours, the last thing that you're doing is looking for the instructor amongst a bunch of people. Yeah, so at this point, you're already kind of you're you're already kind of believing it's real like there's not as much like there might be some cognitive awareness that like okay this is a scenario that i've trained for but you're pretty immersed in it huh i mean yeah really by i mean by the time that we got out of that line it was already starting to hit home pretty hard um i think uh yeah i mean just we didn't get out of the line until the sun started coming up so we were, we were there for a long time and the whole time that we were there, I mean, you know, they're, they're yelling at us, they're yelling profanities and stuff like that, which, uh, was actually interesting to me. Uh, there was an extreme amount of use of profanity, uh, throughout the entire event by the people that were playing the guards, um, which is interesting <laughs> to me for a lot of reasons, but, uh, Anyway, that's that's beside the point. Well, is it? I mean, that's that's notable. I mean, that's really notable that like I assume profanity was pretty frowned upon in your church in general. So, yes, that's odd. profanity in general was was pretty frowned upon. But again, I think that 
I think that the the goal of this program was to get you immersed and and the best way to do that is to act like real people and you can't act like real people without talking like real people so uh i mean and not that not to say that they weren't real people but you know what i'm saying like like people that would be in the military or or guardsmen and and you're doing some weird shady stuff uh and then they're gonna shout some profanity at you because you're being negligent or or stupid about something so it makes sense i I guess i'll and and we'll and we'll go to the next phase soon here but the last thing i'll ask is like so you've been told this before all this happened you were told it's missions training and that you were going to india and that's about all the information you have right like you don't that's really it they told us that we had a contact on the other side of the uh, once we got through airport security, which is what we were supposed to be going through at the time, once we got through airport security, our contact uh, would take us to where we need to go. Okay. All right. So so y'all get through this confusing mess of trying to like this weird kind of uh, imagined version of customs, I guess, in, right. in an unfriendly <laughs> country, which yeah. I, I mean, doesn't exist anywhere, but except the mind of certain Christians. But uh, you go through that. And then what's next? So what happens next is they take us to this small hut that's been built out of uh, log timber. It looks like it's been recently built, but I mean, they made it look, you know, stick sleeves really bad really bad living conditions. Um, and then they started handing us food. Well, we, you know, none of us had eaten in a long time. So we're like, okay, you know, we'll take the food. And I, I guess I should also say, um, they did tell, instruct us that because other countries believe that the only thing that Americans do is eat food, it, to turn down food from anyone in the entire scenario would be like insulting. I don't think that's a hundred percent accurate, but I mean, I don't know if you've been to another country. Uh, I have actually, or... and I've I've had that. I have had that talk in my missions training because I I've done some international missions myself. But they they do say you know don't turn down food; it, it's considered rude. Um, but you know, that's not to any extreme degree. I mean, you usually are being offered food at at times where you would eat so you wouldn't right. turn it down typically so uh okay so go ahead keep can keep so going. this was uh yeah so they handed us um it was lentil curry um uh lentil rice curry so it was uh basically like jasmine rice and lentil beans um uh in like a curry sauce uh, but <laughs> it was horrible <laughs> it was uh the lentils were uncooked the rice was halfway cooked um it was very i mean the spices were so it was very bad um and uh i mean what we were supposed to do is is choke it down uh i do believe a few of us vomited uh and we were supposed to just keep eating so uh we just ate until okay that is inaccurate (laughs) right (laughs) that's that's the one thing i'll say in my international i have eaten a lot of great food internationally uh they obviously cook it better than we would make food that they're not able to keep down you know what i'm saying yeah that's not a real thing yeah (laughs) wow okay so that we're we're already pretty psychologically 
uh, doing some strange things to. And all are all five of you present for this? Yes, uh, all five of us are present. Okay, okay, gotcha. So you choke down this food barely, um, with some vomiting on the side. Then what? Uh, so then they tell us, you know, that uh, they have uh, some contacts. Um, that uh, we're supposed to go meet. Uh, we have to go do this thing. You know, we have to fetch quest. <laughs> uh, we, I believe the first thing that we had to do was that we had to go build homes for people that didn't have any homes. So they took us in kind of like a roundabouts way. And we're like on this like hundred something acre farm. Kind of, right? So there's like a barn, and there's like animals, and there's stuff, uh, and there's like a pond in the middle, and you know, we're like, so you are trekking some distance. It's not huge, it's not great, it's not vast, but it is some. Um, so we're, they, they take us uh, over to this area that's kind of cleared out, and we... <clears throat> have to build these houses out of literally nothing. Um, so I think we had to build four. Um, so they had some like random sheets and some like random string and stuff that we could use that was there. But other than that, we had to just find what was around. So after, you know, about 20 minutes a piece of, of cobbling these horrible, you know, non-livable uh, homes for these people out of nothing. Um, each person offers us food each time. And it's rude not to take food. Uh, the, the first time was, uh, duck feet. Um, so we ate, uh, pickled duck feet. And then the next time was partially cooked quail eggs with the fetuses still intact. Oh my um, god, that's like gooey duck or whatever, right? Like, it's, yeah. Oh, it's, oh it, my god. It is, gosh. it is a foreign food, but it's just, <laughs> it wasn't done right. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, I just want to keep chiming in to basically say what the fuck, because like, because I have built homes for people before on missions field. Guess what? You have nails and frames and like real things to build houses. But, yeah. It's crazy that there it's this sort of weird Christian fanfic that's going on that right. of like, Oh, this is what it'll be like. This is nothing. What like what missions is like, but, but uh, obviously right. it's only going to get worse. So I <laughs> keep think, going. Yeah, it does. It does only get worse. Um, and I know that we're already almost at an hour. So I'm trying to kind of get through some content as fast as I can. Um, so I don't want to keep you o- over too much. Uh, well, be but... detailed. I don't, I don't want any detail on turns. So, so keep going. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so, uh, I believe after that it was rice noodles with tuna, like tuna from like a, a can. Uh, but the rice noodles were overcooked. Um, so they were extremely like slimy and, and just bad. I don't know if you've had right overcooked rice noodles, but they're bad. Oh, it's the uh, worst. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> we had that. And then, uh, after that, the final home that we built, um, they gave us fish heads. Uh, and at, to, to my surprise, the fish head was the best part. <laughs> uh, it actually was not that bad. Uh, and then, <laughs> After that, we were supposed to get the townsfolk together and do some kind of short sermon. 
Um, so we kind of cobbled something together amongst all of us and chose a presenter. And then, you know, after that, we answered questions to which a lot of the questions were a lot of the questions that I had that I had no answer to. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I just thought it was really ironic that a lot of the questions that they asked were just questions in general that I didn't feel like either A, got really good answers, or B, didn't get answered at all. Real quick, sorry. These are questions about Christianity? Sure. It might just be like, well, it's questions about Christianity from the perspective of someone that has no idea about Christianity. So they're feigning ignorance as posing as a, you know, citizen or whatever. They've never heard the name Jesus, and, and these are the kind of questions that they're coming up with. Okay, um, gotcha. So after that, we went to, right, the market was next. So the next thing that we did was the market. The market is just like a giant long barn where they have a bunch of tables and stuff set up and a bunch of people selling items. So they gave us beads, you know, to represent money. Um, they gave us like 300 rupees is what they called it, uh, which is, you know, it, it is an Indian currency, but it's not beads. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> Uh, so they gave us the currency and then they said, look, that you're here to buy two chickens. So we're like, okay, cool. We're just going to buy two chickens. We all go in, we get the two chickens, we come out. Um, and when we come out, a lot of us realize that our stuff is missing. So the whole point is they, they steal the stuff that's out of your backpack. Uh, the idea, I guess, there wow. was that. It, when you're in a crowded area, you don't know what people are going to be doing or touching or anything, so you need to keep an eye on your belongings. I get it, but we did spend four hours haggling with people to try to get our stuff back, and a lot of us ended up with less stuff than we had when we went in there because we had to haggle for important items like a sleeping bag or a tent or, like, our passport. Uh, I believe we spent all of our money, and we gave away a scarf and somebody's shirt uh, in order to get a passport. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. My jaw has dropped. Uh, <laughs> it, it took a while, but my jaw has dropped. Um, <laughs> it's just crazy. Uh, okay. And so you get through this market. Did you get your two chickens? Yeah, we did. And these are not like fake chickens. They are real chickens. Um, so, you know, we had to hold the chickens upside down and take them around for the rest wow. of the things that we were doing. Um, and then we get to this next point, uh, which, and mind you, we haven't slept any of this time. So a lot of us are running on basically empty. Uh, we've eaten, but it's not been good. And a lot of us have vomited it up again. So we get finally to the last uh, one of our next contacts who uh, is going to get us some Bibles. And we need to take these Bibles across the border. Uh, however, the on the other side of the border, Bibles are not allowed. It's, you know, a forbidden subject or whatever. Uh, so... I'm not sure how realistic that is to real life. Pretty un. Uh, 
pretty right. unrealistic. <laughs> pretty but, un- <laughs> uh, but I will say, I will say, like that's a common rumor among Christians sure. that there's all these countries where the Bible's not allowed. Uh, that's not really a, that much of a real thing. Uh, there's certainly places of the world that are less friendly to it, but like, it's not it's not as dramatic as they'll make it sound. I'm pretty sure that you'll actually get more in trouble for having drugs in India. Than oh yeah, you a Bible. I'm pretty sure you absolutely get, you get the death sentence if you take weed into India. I'm not. It, I heard that. I don't know about that, <laughs> but sure. I, but but India. I, but yeah, I know you can definitely have a Bible in India. Um, that's right. not. That's that's a weird scenario. But so y'all haven't slept at this point or anything, right? No. Uh. So they the the contact. Uh. He gives us each a box, and inside the boxes, inside three of the boxes are stacks and stacks of Bibles and inside two of the boxes are bricks um, I don't know why the other two boxes were filled with bricks I think they just ran out of Bibles but the other two boxes were filled with bricks um, so before we go uh, you know he kind of explained everything that we needed to cross the border at a certain place uh, and then once we got there we would go meet up with some people uh, at a church that was being constructed and we would hand them the Bibles. Um, so before we left, uh, we killed the chickens. We plucked the chickens. We skinned uh, the chickens and got the breast meat out and we washed the breast meat in the pond and then cooked it and ate it. Yeah. My vegan heart is hurting, but, <laughs> but, but, but okay. So I mean, but you're immersed in a scenario and honestly, if you right. hadn't done that, you probably wouldn't have got food. Um, no, yeah, that, was, I mean, edible, that, that was that was where I was at. Like my my mental state at this point, my mental state is right. If I don't kill this chicken, I'm not going to eat. Who knows when I'll eat? I have to kill this chicken. So that's my mental state at this current point in time. Are you able to remember the words break scenario at this point? I don't think it even crossed. I actually during this entire time, I don't even think it crossed my mind that it was a scenario i mean i and no one else did right like no one i didn't know i said i don't know uh okay there was actually one time uh and i'll get there um but it was uh, okay an extenuating circumstance Sure, 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 sure. Uh, and it was my fault <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, well then keep keep going i'm sure we'll get there so uh we get we get these boxes and at this point night had fallen. So it had been from midnight until now it, the night has fallen again. We haven't slept. We've ate terrible food. We just ate. Um so we take the bibles uh in the boxes. Each of us has a box. We gave the girl the lightest box, not because we thought she was the weakest, but because she asked and so we said okay. Uh so we climb over a fence uh a I think it was even like a barbed wire fence. We climbed over a barbed wire fence, uh, and then we started hiking through the woods. About two, three hundred feet from the fence, uh, all of a sudden, out of the grass, the tree line broke, and there was just an open field of really tall grass. And out of this tall grass came like spotlights and men with that were like in camo with guns and a jeep like came up and they were shining lights in our faces and they were like get on the ground get on the ground drop what you have in your hands get on the ground 
So we all kind of like place our boxes on the ground and we're, we're kind of, you know, on our knees. Um, and they're like, what are you doing here? And we're like, oh, we were just crossing through. We were just passing through because we're, you know, we're not, we don't want to get caught. We're not, they're not supposed to know that we have these Bibles in these boxes. <laughs> um, so over the next, I'm going to say three hours. I'm fairly certain it was probably not that long. It was probably about two, but in my mind, it definitely felt like three. They sort of like, interrogated us they asked us where we were coming from where we were going on just kind of like a repeat um who we were who we were affiliated with uh if we were hiding anything stuff like that um and if we didn't answer their questions in enough time or anything they would make us hold these boxes over our head um and they're full of books so they're extremely heavy um and if you you know, if you dropped the box at all, they would get up in your face and they would yell in your face uh, that we, you know, you better hold that box up, blah, blah, blah. And and sorry, are you indoors at this point or, or no, outdoors? We're, we've been outdoors this whole time. Gotcha. And so they're, they're interrogating you. Did they separate y'all or are they, are y'all no, kind of together? No, we're actually being in- still all together. They're just, you know, each per they're coming up to each person side by side, screaming in their face, asking questions. Um, wow. you know, shining lights in your face. And this is lasting hours at this point. Right. It's lasting hours. Yes. Uh, I, you know, we definitely held the boxes up above our head on a belief about a 15 minute rotation. And then we held them out in front of us for another 15 minute rotation. And it just went up and forward, up and forward, up and forward for about. And again, an at this so. point, your mental state is like, this is a hundred percent real. Right. I mean, and you'll see that here in just a second, uh, how immersed I was. Um, okay. Like, I can't explain to you exactly the kind of, other than the fact that I just legitimately thought that I was there. Like, this is reality, you know? Like, there was no doubt in my mind that this was happening. Like, if I made the wrong move, I was going to die. Like, I just, you know, they were going to shoot us. It was going to be the end. So that's kind of my mental state at this point because we had just been already through so much and you're so exhausted. Remember, I went to bed at 11.30 and he walked in my room at 11.30. I hadn't even gotten sleep from that night before. So we're 100% sleep deprived. Once you get to a certain point of sleep deprivation, you become extremely uh, able to be influenced. Uh, I know, I know a lot, a lot of people don't know about torture methods, but, uh, after my experience there, I did a lot of research into torture methods. Um, and sleep deprivation is torture method, like number one. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's the first thing. Get them tired. Get them delirious. Yeah. Okay. So gosh. So, okay. So, so you're, you keep being interrogated. Where are you from? Yada, yada. And none of your answers are satisfying. I'm sure it, at this point feels like, well, shoot, I'm out of answers. Like there's nothing really to move forward. So, so what happens next? So next they're like, listen, you, you know, you take your boxes, you go back across the border uh, and we don't want to hear from you. And I'm like, we can't, like, we literally can't go back at this point. I mean, we're supposed to get these things across. Like this is our objective. This is our goal. Right. And that's what's rushing through my mind. So I did the dumbest thing that I probably 
could have ever done. I just said, I don't care. I'm not going anywhere. And, you know, I'm like screaming in this guy's face. Uh, and it eventually reaches a boiling point where I'm screaming at him. He's screaming at me and he pulls a gun out and holds it right to my forehead. And he's like, if you don't shut up, I will shoot you. And I just, I don't know why, <laughs> but I was just like, I don't care. <laughs> and, uh, at that point, they're like, okay, everybody get down on the ground. So we got like face down on the ground and they started discussing something. I don't know what, but I whispered to my right to, uh, one of my, uh, got one of the guys that was involved. And I said, look, listen, when I go grab the girl and start running, like, just book it towards that, you know, across the field. We got to get over there. And I freaking grabbed one Bible out of the box and I just bolted and he bolted, he grabbed the girl and we both bolted and we were just running full on sprinting through the grass. And we eventually came to another barbed wire fence and I helped them over. And as I was helping them over, I got like tackled from behind and face into the ground like then this is where he said break scenario and i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> he's oh like break gosh. scenario i'm like what are you talking about he's like look this is not real like break scenario you guys were not supposed to run you were supposed to go back across the the fence and i'm like okay wow. and so like i have this like existential crisis moment where i'm like none of this was real like what where am i you know yeah i mean what a first off being tackled that's messed up um but uh i mean obviously all of this is messed up but that's clearly like that's a that's a that's a new line right where someone crossed yeah, the line getting tackling physical, you absolutely yeah um and you were literally you were so immersed and in some ways you were doing what you were trained to do and now that you're doing something you were trained to do, they're saying, oh, wait, you were supposed to do this a different way. That's pretty telling that all of this was uh, was pretty manipulative and they were expecting some pretty um, specific things. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely wanted a specific result out of every single thing that you did. Uh, and I mean, this really speaks to my entire experience on in the entire leadership academy which i'm sure i'll have to come on another segment to talk about the rest of it <laughs> um okay so you so you've tackled they break scenario they're saying oh you're supposed to go back over the fence then what? right so we end up spending some time to try to find the other guy and the girl and they had like basically like wedged themselves in like a creek or something um to like try to avoid being seen uh, so, I mean, they were both obviously terrified and we get over, you know, we get back and we get over, uh, and then they're like, okay, we're going to take you to like a campsite. So they take us to this campsite. And I mean, when we went to sleep, the sun was starting to come up. And when we woke up, I mean, to my knowledge, I only got two hours. I'm fairly certain that we only got two hours of sleep. 
Um, I'm, I'm very, very positive that it was a short amount of time. Um, wow. So not enough time to actually rest, just enough time to no. stay alive, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Just, just enough for you to get, you know, you didn't in a REM cycle, you didn't get any kind of like decent sleep. It was just enough to cl- keep, close your eyes and then kind of get that second wind. So, uh, after that, uh, it was a few more things. Like we went and we, helped construct a church. Uh, we went and we talked to a supposed like witch doctor um, and tried to convert a, a witch doctor. Um, so in my, when I did it, cause I was actually in 24 seven for a second year. So when I hosted or when I helped to host uh, what I did uh, is I put chicken blood everywhere. Um, and uh, you know, stuff like that. But they just did a little bit more simple where it was just like a hut and like a man who was supposed to be like a witch doctor and like saying like things that are bad or, you know, what, what a stereotypical Christian would describe a witch doctor looking like. Wow. Right. Which is basically <laughs> just like the cartoon version of what a witch sure. doctor is. <laughs> wow. And so, so how long are you there trying to convert this person? Uh, probably a couple hours. I mean, okay. each of these events was like a, each of these things that we did took a f- couple of hours, a few hours at a time. Okay. And then after that, they said, look, you know, you're going to take the next one hour to prepare a sermon that needs to last 45 minutes and you're going to present to someone. So we said, OK, so we take the next hour. We present or we kind of create our sermons and there's five of us, 45 minutes. You know, that's at least a few four hours, three, four hours uh, worth of speaking. Um, So they take us into the barn again, but this time it looks different because they've reorganized things to kind of be like a church. And it was just kind of in my mind, I didn't even recognize it as the same place. I was just like, Oh, this is a totally different place. Cause again, I was at that point, I had reached another point where I was like, so immersed i was like there's just no so way even after the scenarios even after the scenario has been broken once you're like yes. back in it almost seamlessly you're like i'm almost immersed seamlessly, this is real it's like it never happened right i mean i i honestly think it was the sleep deprivation just really setting in um not quite hallucinations yet but there is a point later <laughs> um wow so uh we present to this person uh and while we are in the barn the sun sets so it is now dark um i believe we had a one hour rest period during that day so total of about three hours of sleep um so we present and then once everybody's done presenting all of a sudden we hear atvs and like the revving of motorcycles and and dirt bikes and stuff outside and like flashlights start shining through like the slats in the barn. And <laughs> we're like, Oh crap. You know, they found us. They know we're here. They know that we're practicing Christianity in a church setting. It's just like not allowed. You know, they told us that we would be killed if they found out. So, uh, you know, the pastors like go, you know, and and here's kind of a messed up part. Um, the pastor at the end of my sermon, right before this started happening, gave me his scarf, and I still have the scarf, but he gave me his scarf 
and just at that moment, I was like, oh God, you know, like that really set me in, you know, because someone gave me something personal of theirs because wow. they moved by something that I did, right? So wow. it kind of brought, it just immersed me even more, right? Yeah. So he opens up like this piece of the barn and like lets us crawl, like army crawl underneath the, the wall. And as I'm leaving and like, I think someone was behind me, the, you know, he closes the barn and he's like taking the fall for us. Like they, they burst into the barn and they like arrest him or whatever. And so then at that point we start running with this other person that was with us, who's our kind of our guide or whatever. So they start running and we're running blind through the woods. None of us had flashlights or anything like that. So it's pitch black. We're running through the woods and we're getting chased by like cars with flat, with spotlights and, uh, dirt bikes with like dirt people on dirt bikes with flashlights. Um, and we like run for a bit and then we'll hide in like some tall grass and wait for about 30 minutes or so. Um, just long enough for you to like almost fall asleep and then like okay we gotta go and then we start running again for another like hour or so and we're running and then we stop and we like get under some logs or some leaves or whatever we can find to like hide from these people and this goes on for until sunrise at sunrise we make it back to the original contact point so the guy where we went to his house. So it, when we went to his house and ate his horrible food in the very beginning of the story, he was like a pastor and he had a wife who was supposed to be pregnant. Um, so we get there and when we arrive, his house is on fire. It is literally that whole huge stick log house that they made was just up in enormous flame um, oh my gosh like real flame not no like, no yeah, special no, effects here no it's special effects it was completely on fire um and it was probably the biggest fire i've ever seen in my whole life i've never seen like a house fire or anything but that was like that was if you've been to a huge bonfire like times 10 it was massive um wow. and so they there's a bunch of guys with guns all around and they like make us all get down on our knees and stuff. Like we're basically caught at this point. They zip tie our hands behind our backs. They make us get down on our knees and they start talking to the pastor and they are like telling him, you know, you're practicing Christianity. You know, that's not allowed here, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he's like, you know, I don't care. You know, God is my King or whatever he says. You know, he says some, some Christian-y thing that you're supposed to say before you kick the bucket, right? Um, so, and his pregnant wife is, like, bawling on the ground in, like, a fetal position, uh, and they've, like, got guns pointed at her, and <laughs> it was insane. And then they, wow. uh, guys line up behind each of us, and he makes the pastor get down on his knees, and he says, renounce your faith right now or I'm going to put a bullet in your head. And right at that moment, they cover our heads with bags, and we hear a loud gunshot 
I mean, legitimate gunshot. I don't know what it was, but it I knew it was a gunshot. Wow. Let's pause just for a second. Just sure, pause sure. for a second. So in your mind, you just saw a house fire, like a legitimate fire. No special effects again. There's nothing fake about right. this. You saw a real fire. You saw someone who is, you know, I don't know if this is just a great professional actor or what this person's disorder is, but a, a, a supposedly pregnant woman crying. And then there's this big moment of renounce your faith or die. You're covered. Your eyes are covered and you and you hear a gunshot in your head. All of this is real. There's nothing fake about any of this. Absolutely. I mean, I I 100 percent. We all thought he died. I mean, the the girl that was a part of the Leadership Academy that was right next to me immediately just she started bawling like uncontrollably. And like, I'm starting to tear up. Like, I'm like, oh my God, like this person is dead. We did this to this person. Like we led them here. You know, I feel like responsible for this. So it was just like a huge, huge, another, again, another moment that just like solidified in my mind, the fact that this is real, this is really happening. Um, and so r- really from this point on is where, in my opinion, things get crazy because it hasn't <laughs> been really gotten crazy yet. Like, yeah, it hasn't been crazy yet. You freak. Of course right. it's been insane <laughs> up to this point. <laughs> it's crazy that the story gets worse and worse because it feels like it can't. And then it does. Um, yeah, I swear. Don't look at the clock. This is incredible. The, the story. So please keep going. Okay. Um, so they get us in a van and again, we kind of do the van thing. Uh, and they have our hands like tied behind our backs to where it's like in a really uncomfortable position. Um, so sitting down in the van is not really an opportunity for you to sleep. Uh, because you're just at that point where it's like so uncomfortable that it's just, it would just be impossible. So, um, they drive us around for I don't know how long. It was at least an hour, maybe a little longer. Um, and we just hear, like, you know, rocks tumbling and, like, dirt flying and as we're, like, speeding down this road and stuff. Um, and then finally, we get to a, a location. We still have bags over our heads. So they pull us out, bags still on our heads, hands still zip tied they start and how, and and, and your best estim in your best estimation how many hours has it been uh probably only one it wasn't okay very long. gotcha okay so as they're bringing us in we're like kind of trying to like figure out what's going on so we they stand us in a room all of us and so we kind of are all bumping shoulders so we're kind of like you know with our hands zip tied, we're like touching each other, like trying to figure out who's who and like what's going on. Um, and I like find the girl's hand and I like squeeze it. I'm like, okay, you know, she's okay. Like she's safe for now <laughs> or like she's as safe as it can be. Um, and then they start separating us and they put us each into individual rooms. Um, so I thought they were playing music, but once everything kind of resolved itself. They were actually playing static. Um, so I'm in this room by myself with a bag over my head and they start standing us up 
and sitting us down on our butts with our hands still zip tied behind our backs. Uh, that's not changed. Um, so we're sitting down on our butts with our legs straight out in front of us, which is super uncomfortable if you've ever done that. And standing us up on a 15 minute rotation, I think. Uh, I don't actually know how much time passed at this point. I lost it. Like I lost complete track of time. Um, I, at one point, this went on for so long. I, at one point thought that I had escaped. Uh, I literally had like a hallucination dream where I had escaped and gotten the, the girl that was a part of the group and we had gotten outside and then they came inside and sat me down and I'm like, okay. None of that was real. Like, that was all in my head. That was the most real thing I've experienced over the last two hours or however long it's been. Wow. Um, so, a very real hallucination. Like, oh, yeah. Was, I mean, yeah. completely vivid. Uh, so, at this point, I'm struggling to even know what's real anymore. Um, and finally, after I don't know how long, I sat down however many times... <laughs> <laughs> sitting down 20 times is times 15 uh, uh 15 minutes each um 300 so, plus yeah yeah it was a very it what it's what felt like forever and i don't even know if that was how many times i sat down it just felt like it went on forever um so eventually they pull me out and i start walking and they start walking me down a very long flight of steps and they finally take the bag off my head and everyone is around me. So me and the four others in the, uh, in the, uh, thing. And then the pregnant wife is in the corner sobbing while we're all down there. And she, her stomach is covered in like blood. And oh we're my like, God. Yeah. <laughs> so they're reinforcing the myth that this guy has been killed. Yeah, and that her baby is now dead, like, inside of her. Oh my god. Okay, keep going. I, 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 I'm saving my questions till the end, <laughs> so keep going. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> we go over, uh, and we're, like, consoling her, or doing our best to console her, and she's got, like, bruises, like, all over her face. Like, she's been beaten to, like, a bloody pulp. And uh, eventually, somebody comes down, and they drag her up, and, like, literally... We, I, if there wasn't two other guys there that had guns, we would have fought. I mean, it would have been a full-on fight because me and the three three of the other guys were just like, no, you're not, you're not taking her. And they just had, they were like, if you, if, you know, we don't take her now, we'll just kill all of you right here. And you think the guns are real. Right. There's nothing that tells me that the guns aren't real. They all look very convincing, and we did hear a gunshot when bags were over our heads. So at this right. point, yeah, the guns are real, you know? Uh, the only conclusion that you can draw is that this is really happening. Um, it literally, it got to the point where it forced your brain to just accept the fact that this was what was happening, and it just didn't have, you didn't have a choice, right? So they take her up, and after about 
I don't know, a minute or so, we hear a gunshot. And then they come down the stairs and they start grabbing us one by one and taking us up there. And we keep hearing gunshots. Um, and I was like the second to the last. So they take me up these stairs and put a bag over my head again. And they put me down on my knees and they're like, if you don't renounce your faith right now, we are going to kill you. And I'm like, I, I am fairly certain that the only thing that I said was just go ahead because I'm not going to do that. And then there was a gunshot uh, and the bag got lifted over my head and there was like, it was like a house and there was candles lit everywhere and all my friends were there and like everybody was around me and they were like patting me on the back and like hugging me and stuff like that. And I'm like so confused. I was, I, I don't think that the fact that this wasn't real hit me until I saw someone else come up and kneel down and I was like, Oh, this is fake. Like, I'm not witnessing what happens when I die. Like, this is just, this is all an act. Like, this has all been a charade. And, like, all of a sudden, everything came, like, in a wave of, like, realization that I had just been doing this weird thing this whole time. Did you cry? Because I want to. <laughs> oh, I, no, I absolutely, I, yeah, I was in tears. I mean, there, there's no way that I couldn't have been. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. Okay. So did, so what, did an instructor come up and say, good job. Like y'all passed the test. This is true leadership. Like what happened that, like, what was there? Or did they just kind of play it off? Like, oh yeah, good job. Like whatever. This was normal. Like what was kind of the tone afterwards? The t I think the tone after was like, you know, congratulations. You know, you really passed what 24 seven is all about. You passed the ultimate test in your faith. Right. The ultimate testing your faith, um, is what 24 seven is about. It's about accepting God, like making sure that this is what you want or whatever. But I mean, that's not a true test of your faith, right? Like faith is tested every day. Faith is not tested in a single sure. moment. It's easy to say it's easy to die for a cause, right? Being a martyr yeah. is easy, but living as an example, is really hard. So I don't right. think that the right message was necessarily sent. Yeah, what was what was the message? Because like, what was what was supposed to be the result of all of this? Were y'all supposed to go to like a really anti-Christian country? Was that what they were preparing you for? So at the end of the year, we did have a missions trip, and that's what everything was supposed to prepare us for. Uh, however, <laughs> the mission trip was to Scotland, and I didn't get to go. <laughs> This is my, the, to me, this is the punchline of everything. Right. It's, it's almost like a joke. And yeah. that's kind of how everything felt at the end of the year to me. I just felt like not only was the entire experience that I had gone through a giant joke, but there was no point to put myself through it. And the only thing that my peers had to say about me were complaints. But I mean, we all wow. have things with people, right? Like there were, there were things that sure. other people in the, in the, uh, 
organization did that I didn't like, but I mean, you know, what are you going to do? That is, you know, people have faults, people have problems. The point of like being a true leader is to help somebody overcome a problem, right? But that's not what they did, right? It was more about no. the faith thing. And I can expound on that whole incident at a later junction because i have a lot to say <laughs> i'm sure you do one thing for just one more point of clarification have you talked to anyone have you talked to any of the other four or have you talked to like anyone else in the world who has experienced anything similar to this i've never met anybody that's experienced anything like this aside from the people that were in it i've never heard of anybody doing anything like this uh other than military boot camp. I mean, like, and, you know, people may get upset at me uh, for saying that, uh, but that's the closest thing that I can equate it to. I've never been through yeah. military boot camp. I'm not in the military, nor do I claim to be. Uh, but I do know a lot of people's experiences in boot camp is similar to that. You do have to go through some form of psychological torture and, and yeah. rigorous rigorous training and sleepless nights in some form that is what it's about it's about you know that's what the military is about is about overcoming those odds so that you can be the best soldier that you can be but we weren't being soldiers right we're being right leaders of a church <laughs> yeah it's ridiculous and again all of this and then you go to scotland like one of the most christian countries in the world like it's just it's crazy it has the highest one of the highest numbers of catholic <laughs> right um so okay so first off you we've used this word a lot so I'll, I'll just ask it to be very clear do you think you were tortured i mean i can't tell you that i wasn't i think you were my disclosure i think you were tortured <laughs> Through anybody else's perspective, uh, if I were an outside observer, the only thing that this could be classified as would be torture. Yeah, because torture is not always physical, right? Like, like there's psychological torture. Torture is not even physical. Uh, I mean, right. yeah, there, there are physical aspects to torture, but the most successful tortures are all mental. Yeah, and you clearly were. I mean, you were you were at a point of delusion <laughs> and, and hallucination. You know, you were believing things that weren't true. That's pretty intense. Um, but let me ask you this. Uh, do you think you were kidnapped? I don't think I, that anything was done against my will. I, I think that at, obviously at any point I could have said I don't want to do this anymore. But again, kind of reiterating a point here, you reach a point where you don't know that that's an option. You just it's not on the table in your brain. Well, and I don't want to tell what your experience was because it was yours and I didn't experience it. But, dude, like, they came in the middle of the night. At, like, did you sign a waiver? I mean, you never had any awareness of what you were signing up for, right? I mean, we definitely did sign paperwork at the beginning. But what 18-year-old pays attention to what's on the fine print of a document that they're signing? Oh, I would love to look at that document. I don't know if it still exists even anymore. I, I but... have no idea, but <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah. Because, cause, I mean, some of this is definitely illegal. <laughs> like, like, or at least I mean, as the if, line. You, if you, if you, uh, if you sign on the dotted line, <laughs> technically not. Well, and that's why I want to see what's on it because <laughs> you can't, you can't imply threats like that unless someone has basically consented to some kind of role play scenario. So you, I, I, I know you and I haven't 
had uh, this is maybe the longest conversation you and I have ever had, but like you know, I've been trained in de-escalation and I had to role play some pretty intense scenarios for a job I used to have. But you have you are like you, the the amount legally the amount of uh preparation <laughs> that you undergo before the role playing scenario, it's pretty obvious. Like they are pretty explicit. And it sounds like there was some of that in your story, but again, the only time there was a break scenario was the instructors when y'all were basically trying to escape the torture they were inflicting on you <laughs> I, I mean yeah you could put it that way <laughs> and, um, and again that's my perspective i'm not saying you have to you know we're welcome to have different views on it and yours is more valid because you actually experienced it but just hearing it secondhand i'm like golly this is this is terrible what you went through so here's what's really gonna blow your mind what's really gonna blow your mind is the fact that i actually look back on that memory as a good one how uh, let me ask it this way how the fuck are you still a christian <laughs> <laughs> so and i mean you know really i think that's a conversation for another time because it it's so much more involved than just course this one incident um there were so many there were so many opportunities for me to not be one let me just say that there were so many opportunities for me to give up well no one would blame you even right no one i don't listening to this would. would blame you uh but i i think that somewhere along the lines i developed my own belief in what Christianity is and what it stands for, and that's what I believe in. I don't think that I believe in the modern version of or the modern explanation for Christianity. And there are a few churches that I've found where the idea of Christianity is exactly what I believe it to be, which is, I mean, either you believe in the New Testament or you don't. So if the New Testament is true, right, and you believe that, and you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and he is also God, and you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, and you accept him in your heart, that's it, right? It stops there. That is what the requirement is. That's all there is, right? So anything to believe anything else is folly. Because it says so in the Bible. If you are to believe all parts of the Bible, why explicitly say, well, then this part of the Bible in the Old Testament, you need to follow that. You need to pay attention to that. I just, I don't, you know, and and no one has bothered to give me any kind of explanation other than, oh, well, that's just, you know, that's just how this is, right? Or, yeah. Uh, this, this, they pull, they pull this from this scripture that's in the Old Testament, or they pull this from this scripture that's in. Show me, you know, after, you know, at, either at the point of Jesus' death where he said what he came to do, and then he did the act, and then after that, show me somewhere in there where it says that, you know. Anyway, like I said, a yeah. whole other conversation. Well, and you're welcome to have your own faith. I don't judge people's personal faith on this. I, I never would. And and you don't, you know, you don't like subscribe to any pastor or church leadership anymore, right? No, and I, actually, I don't go to church for a reason because yeah, because church 
at this point is a business. Okay. It is. I've been a business owner for the last two years. Uh, and I've done a lot of research into finance and all kinds of stuff. And putting two and two together is super easy now. Um, it is. I mean, just, just the other, or, well, it was a few years ago. I had a conversation with somebody where the, the, he was the financial advisor for the church. Uh, locally, and the church wanted a new basketball court. They already had a basketball court. The floor just needed to be refinished. Well, instead of just refinishing the floor, which would have been like $5,000 or $10,000, something like that, they wanted to install a completely new floor for literally no reason. Like, why not, you know, I the the audacity of the church to spend people's money on something ridiculous like that, unless the floor is completely unusable, there's no reason. Right. And so that, that is something that I struggle with is like, and I mean, I don't see a set figure in the Bible, but every pastor that I've ever heard talk says 10% of your income, right? Right. You should be, you should be donating 10% of your income to the church each right. year. Okay. So break that down. Yeah. If you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, that's 10 and they're talking about gross. They want gross. They don't want net. Right. They <laughs> right, say right. they want gross 10% of gross income. That's $10,000 a year. Okay, one person's income, like let's say the mortgage on a church is $2,000. That pays for half the mortgage from one person. What are you doing with the other 10 people that make $100,000 a year? What are you doing with their income? You're making 10, 10, 10 grand. Well, how much money do you, how much money do you think was spent on, on that academy? I mean, even in just your, on that event, like probably thousands uh, of dollars, right? It, it, probably everybody's tuition at least if not more right because, because i mean think of the actors tickets and also all kinds of stuff like right. that right yeah it's just such a waste and for what what did that what did that training actually accomplish other than probably traumatizing some people <laughs> and <laughs> uh and and solidifying some false narratives about other countries right i mean that that was the point i think was just you know, to, I think the, the entire point of the exercise was to say, okay, this is the absolute most extreme scenario you'll ever be put in. Everything else is going to be a cakewalk compared to this, which I resonate with and I understand, but the way that they went about it was very manipulative. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I mean, you know, you, I, you seem to not necessarily struggle too much with telling the story or and it doesn't seem to traumatize you too much to to talk about it but even so (laughs) these are even so these are hard things to to talk about and i'm sure hard things to hear but i'm I'm glad you're willing to share two 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 last questions so uh obviously this has influenced how you view christianity now uh it's quite different but but can but you've obviously seen some of the dangers of it uh do you think do you think those dangers still exist to this day? Because I certainly do. I think that there is definitely a danger in... I do think that Christianity can be dangerous. Uh, I mean, 
because more often than not, it get you it gets used as a tool to get away with things or to use it as an excuse to do things or to not do things or this is evil or that is evil because of this reason or that reason. But I think that it's super dangerous to not understand the religion that you practice. And I be- I'm a firm believer that 75% to 80% of the people that go to church don't even understand why they're there. Mm. Yeah, that probably plays in because they're probably very susceptible to to the same thing that you were, right? Because I mean, you were questioning a lot of things when you entered this program. I don't think I don't think when you signed up for Leadership Academy, you were aware of what was going to happen. No, and I mean, the story about how <laughs> the story about how I got kicked out of my Leadership Academy is a more interesting story than this one. But uh like I said, that's for another time. We're already, we're already, I'm already keeping you way too long. Um, that's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm riveted. Next, so the it's next okay. time that you have me on, we'll talk yeah. about that. And, uh, that solidified for me the belief that people aren't true, quote unquote, aren't true Christians, that they are just individuals that are broken and mm. broken people bringing you know, leading broken people is just the blind leading the blind. But, mm. you know, I mean, every nobody's going to be perfect, obviously. Sure. But, you know. But not everybody's going to torture. <laughs> right. Not everybody's going to torture you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So uh, at the end, I usually ask people to plug things. Uh, a lot of my audience actually does live in Georgia based on the analytics I have. And you happen to have a business in Georgia. So do you want to promote uh, what you do for, for a living? I do. Absolutely. Um, I build custom golf carts. Uh, I own Golf and Garage in uh, Jasper, Georgia. Uh, my goal is to build the ultimate golf cart or <laughs> the craziest golf cart that anybody's ever seen. Uh, I want to be that guy. What's a what's a good website for people to go to, or or how can they get a hold of that stuff? They can go to golfinggarage.com. That's G O L F I N Garage G A R A G E dot com. Finn, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I think it will be very enlightening, somewhat shocking to many, um, but I think it's really important to not let these things uh, stay in the dark and to talk about them. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I am still a Christian, so it doesn't necessarily I mean, I know that your your podcast isn't necessarily I don't see it as necessarily anti-Christian. I just see it more as informative. Right. Well, I appreciate that. I try not to be anti-Christian. I mean, I you know, a lot of my greatest friends are Christians. Um but uh, uh, less and less these days, I have to admit. Um, so a lot of them keep leaving. <laughs> when, you make, uh, when you make a podcast, it's called yeah. this. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, ha- it, 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 it happens. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And I would love to have you back on, especially to learn what got you kicked out of that academy eventually. I think that would be very interesting. Yes, that is a very interesting story, series of stories. And yeah, we'll get to it next time. (laughs) All right. Sounds great. Thank you so much for coming on. And thank you, listener, for stopping by. If you wish to learn more about what's going on in my life or wish to purchase my book, go to thecultofchristianity.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, please continue to listen, follow, share, and consider subscribing for additional content. 
For only five bucks a month, you'll have access to two additional shows, Parsing Propaganda, where I review and critique Christian content, and Art, where we try some amateur religious trauma therapy. Every subscriber becomes a part of something bigger than this podcast as we endeavor to hold churches accountable, speak the truth boldly, and most importantly, love others despite our pain. Thank you for listening, and remember to keep love in your life, hope in your heart, and searching in your soul.